And this is a 36 hour long endeavor of people trying to figure out reading SBF tea leaves of what the hell he is doing with this tweet thread. While Who he does this, David? Bankless Nation, happy third week of November. David, what time is it? Oh, Ryan, it's the Friday Bankless Weekly roll up. And Ryan, I have never been so intimidated by an agenda that we have to get through today yet. Is it the content or the length? It's a little bit of both. Definitely the content, okay. the craziness of the content. Yet, Ryan, we persevere into the frontier nonetheless with coffee. I know we do. With coffee. You, you know what happens when you plug in Bankless and Twitter in the search box right now? Oh my God. Ba bankless crying <laughs> is number one. <laughs> What a week. What a roll up. How, how you feeling this week, David? You feeling a bit better? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, if the theme last week for you was like, this sucks, I'm disappointed. What's the theme this week? What's David Hoffman feeling like? Uh, the theme this week, I think, is good riddance. Yeah. <laughs> uh, good riddance, for sure. And like, because this is turning out to not just be like, oh, another drama in the crypto world. No, this is like one of the greatest frauds of all time. Yeah, uh, and I think it, like for better or worse, like we're going to be able to like move forward from this in a progressive way. So my yeah, if there's a theme of the week, it's good riddance. Well, uh, you got to admit when SBF does something, he does it big. He goes all out. <laughs> <laughs> Not only the the number two exchange, uh, but also maybe the number one fraud of all time. We'll number have to one see fraud when of the all dust settles, settles. But topics of the week, we're going to be talking about three things. Number one, SBF. Number two, FTX. <laughs> number three, Alameda. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty much the agenda, right, Dave? Yeah, that's the whole thing. There are some other things that happened this week, but we're going to have to wait until the second half of the episode to hear, hear all the normal things that, that went on. And the high level is the fraud that is SBF continues to get to get bigger. This is kind of Enron. This is Theranos. This is Bernie Madoff. We, mm -hmm. get, we got it all, a little bit of it all. So we're going to talk a little bit about how bad the contagion was. David, before we get into the episode, we have a message from our friends and sponsors at Infura. Mm -hmm. And I think... There's really good news coming yeah. out of Infura because we need to build this entire space on decentralized rails. I think yeah. this is what we've we've learned here again recently. It's been reinforced, and Infura is taking a big step towards that. What are they up to? So Infura is calling for all Web3 infrastructure providers who are interested in being a part of this new decentralized infrastructure network that Infura wants to lead. So they need help. They need you to help foster their decentralized infrastructure ecosystem because they are working on decentralizing a very important part of the Ethereum stack, the RPC endpoints, the nodes, and all of this stuff. Uh, and so this is, a, this is a pretty big centralization vector of Ethereum and overall any chain, uh, how user wallets and just broadcast transactions and spinning up nodes. And so this has always been a, a part, a, a, a moderate problem in the Ethereum ecosystem. And Infura is tackling that centralization problem head on and also needs help decentralizing their own stack. And they want you to take a part in that. So there's a link in the show notes, bankless.cc slash Infura, for you to sign up for the, uh, for the early access of their new decentralized network infrastructure. Uh, so go do that. Go click that link. Yeah, it's really cool. We all use Infura. Um, Whether you know in our it day or not. Day. Yeah. yeah, behind MetaMask, behind a lot of the wallets that we use. Not the only one, but it's one of the larger mm -hmm. ones for sure. All right, David, let's get to the markets. Bitcoin, what are we looking at on the week after this uh, two-week disaster here? Yeah, Bitcoin is down on the week, down 5%, $1,750 or $17,500, down 5% to where it is now at $16,600. Uh, cool. We expected it down. How about ETH? 
Uh, down again, 8% on 8%. Uh, so Bitcoin down 5%, ETH down 8%. Ether started the week at 13.20, currently at 12.70. 1270 you know that's what not right. um, nope it's down 12 to uh, 1210 my, my numbers are wrong okay 12 but 1210 1270 it's been hovering around 1200 yeah i actually am surprised that it's as high as it is yeah some people are saying oh that's low right like right. no this given uh -huh. what just happened yeah like the nuclear bomb that just detonated in crypto and we're in the 1200 range mm -hmm. um i don't know if that makes me weirdly bullish yeah it's like it doesn't seem to want to go down anymore is, is it's this down resistance <laughs> may, maybe we'll talk a little bit about why that is when we get to some of chris berninsky's takes but um park that in your mind bankless right. listener why is eth not down more than um you know than you might think it should be given Knocking the sentiment the wood. <laughs> <laughs> yes by by the time you hear this we'll, we'll have triple digit eth i'm yeah. sure <laughs> tomorrow morning um eth bitcoin what are we looking at in the ratio and ratio is down just a little bit it's down from 0 0.075 to 0 0.072 there we go crypto market cap down down from 920 billion to 860 billion surprise 860 do, do you remember the lows of well what the highs of the last uh like, bull yes, market highs of last oh the 2017 bull market yeah pretty, yeah yeah it looks like it's kind of we're a little bit above that right now but not but much. the highs of the last in january 2018 were about uh 760 billion dollars and we're just above the highs but not very much above the highs uh that's interesting to take note of uh, David, let's do some takes on the crypto markets right now. Um, first, mm -hmm. maybe a quick scan by Bitcoin miners. I don't think very often about Bitcoin miners, mm -hmm. but they're in a lot of pain right now. What's uh, this tweet showing us? Yeah, so this is a tweet that's showing a new metric that this guy created. Uh, it says, a free open source indicator which tracks on-chain data to highlight when Bitcoin miners are selling more of their <laughs> reserves than usual. So uh, I'm guessing the inputs to this indicator are the Bitcoin price and probably average uh, electrical cost to produce a single Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, according to this indicator, uh, we are bad. <laughs> it's bad. Uh, so they're Bitcoin, not profitable. They're Bitcoin miners money. are making less uh, underwater in terms of revenue, a significant percentage of them. I mean, this is just like kind of a global average, but it's basically saying that like it's really hard to be a profitable Bitcoin miner right now. So they are running on reserves, which means they are selling. I've always wondered about this. Like, so <laughs> if you're bullish on Bitcoin, like the asset itself, mm -hmm. why would you try to get exposure in Bitcoin mining facilities and Bitcoin mining companies. Yeah. Why would that make sense relative to just like purchasing Bitcoin OTC? Yeah, because a single ASIC in theory, a single ASIC is meant to be like a discount on a Bitcoin over the long term. So if you buy an ASIC, it's like you, if you spend like $100 on an ASIC, you get like $150 worth of Bitcoin over the long term. Um, but a ton of variables go into that. Uh, so, but do you though? You have energy costs, theory, and you have like yeah. um, you know ASIC um, degradation, obsolescence, yeah. degradation. Mm -hmm. uh, there's all sorts of other things. Anyway, uh, I've not understood it, but I'm not in that space. What is uh, Dylan Leclerc showing us on Bitcoin miners? What's this chart? Yeah, these these are just like the equity prices of all these Bitcoin mining companies. Uh, negative negative ten percent, negative nine percent, negative six percent, negative thirteen percent, negative nine. These like publicly traded companies. Yeah, publicly traded somewhere. Bitcoin miner companies. Yeah, uh -huh. all down bad. All down. Riot, bad. Iron, yeah. Bitf, mm -hmm. Mara, Hunt, Sdig, Hive. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, Berninsky's take. 
on mm-hmm. the bottom. All right. And give us some context for Berninski. Cause I know you had a, a conversation with him, mm-hmm. um, a little bit earlier in the week on Twitter, which actually that entire conversation, I think it's like a 30, 40 minute long conversation. 50, yeah. 50 minutes, 50 minutes is available to bankless premium members mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. on the RSS feed. We're not releasing that to the, the regular RSS feed. Um, Chris wanted to keep that a little more private. So just yep. bankless premium members only have access to that. And David, I haven't listened to it yet. You, but I you're want missing to. out, man. You're missing no, no, no. a conversation. I'm not going to be because I, th- I'm scheduling this yeah. for my weekend. I'm going to yeah. be listening because <laughs> you know why? Relaxes. <laughs> well, well, it's probably relaxing because I, I think Chris is flipped bullish is yes. my uh, yes. understanding, my sentiment. Yes. And I just want to provide some context for, for this individual. First of all, this is the individual probably second to uh, to Andreas Antonopoulos, but I actually count him first. That got me into crypto. Hmm. I read his original book on crypto assets. What did he publish that? 2016, 2017, something Early. like this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Got me really excited about the world beyond Bitcoin. Uh, not only that, Chris, uh, he's a VC. He's mm-hmm. got ethics that um, I align with in this space. I respect mm-hmm. him a lot. Um, he developed a lot of the original kind of on-chain analysis that we see today and others have carried that f- forward further. So he's got that piece. And then he, he's a VC, but, but somehow he finds a way to like, um, call the markets fairly well. And he's he does so it good, in a different yeah. way, not as like a trader. So different than an Arthur Hayes. All right. Mm-hmm. Much, much different than somebody doing TA. Uh, he does it based on kind of long-term, I don't know, uh, fundamentals. It's this mix of a thesis fundamentals and actually like observing the space. And he has been bearish on crypto for like over a year. He turned bearish sometime after May of 2021. And he was bearish and he he was bearish even as like we hit new all time highs. And he was like saying, this is, it's too contrarian. Yeah. He was a big, big, yeah. Big contrarian. Uh, and he, I, in my opinion, has just been proven right in fantastic fashion. Well, he was the anti-super cycle. You know, there's this yes. whole like yes. super cycle, crypto assets right. never going to go fully down again. He was the and sober Chris one was like, in the room. no, that's BS. And he actually got more and more, um, I don't want to say shrill about it, but like loud about it mm-hmm. to the extent that um, others in the space just started like in yep. some of the circles that uh, I hang out with, started yeah. to get annoyed at him. So why is Chris yeah. always uh, bearish? Why, he's just Chris like, the bear, uh, Chris bearish again. Uh. Yeah, I, I was not annoyed by that at all. It's just like, <laughs> it's his take. And I know Chris is not like thinking he's trying to manipulate markets here, right? He's 100%. not just, um, I think he actually believes it. Anyway, give us the context for the tweet that we're looking at and uh, what Chris's take on the markets is right now. Yeah, so Chris tweets out, it may be a crawl upwards, but I still think the capitulation bottom is in. Uh, and so as a result of all of this FTX drama, as a result of all the liquidations, Chris is saying that that was the signal that he's been looking for to confirm to him that the bottom is in. Uh, and uh, I remember him tweeting out after the Three Arrows Capital uh, liquidation uh, and that event, and he tweeted out something along, along the lines of the, the Lehman of crypto is out there lingering. I was like, and that in my mind, I was like, oh, Chris is being bearish again. Uh, <laughs> you wanted like, those he, he just, like, uh, Well, yeah. It's like, how can we go down even more than that, Chris? Uh, and then, but he called it, man. He called it just off of his gut instincts. As, there's as, literally like, a Lehman out there. And yeah, there's, and there was literally a Lehman out there. It was three. It was uh, FTX and Alameda. They just found a creative way to plug the hole temporarily. But that Lehman has been discovered. We are now dealing with that contagion. Uh, and now Chris is he, one of the conversations that we had in the. Uh, as Twitter spaces was that 
he just can't find any more big sellers. Um, Genesis is the one that comes to mind in the moment, uh, but we are watching that play out as we speak. Uh, and so, uh, particularly, and I, I, again, I'm just, uh, I haven't listened to the episode, mm -hmm. so you correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm particularly, he probably means the large cap assets that yes. don't have unlocks yeah. like Bitcoin exactly. and ETH. Yeah. Bitcoin like, who's going to sell exactly what he means. Bitcoin and ETH mm -hmm. at this yes. point? Yeah. Uh, and so just to kind of preview the conversation with him, we, he talked a lot about like these indicators that he uses, uh, and, uh, I'll actually not tease. I'll not say which ones those are. So you have to read the article that comes out of Bankless today. But like Bitcoin indicators, Ether Oh, we're doing an article on this too. Yes, this should also come out as an article on the newsletter. Nice. Yeah, nice. Uh, and comparing and contrasting the turning points of the last bear market, like whatever four sellers we have le uh, uh, last. Uh, but then also like we talked about the crypto markets showing strength. We talked about like the merge and how like the Ether price is uh, up 50% from the May lows where Bitcoin is down 10%. Uh, and we talked about like how he's calling the bottom on, on crypto also with equities. Uh, and so equities are down 80%, a comparable amount to the dot-com bubble. But these equities, uh, in contrast to the dot-com bubble, are real like money printing organizations. Uh, and so like that, he thinks that that's oversold. Uh, and then also inflation is turning over. And so like these aligning of the stars is like convincing him that, uh, that the that the bottom is in, but all of those details and more are available in the uh, the Bankless newsletter. And then, if you are a premium subscriber, you get access to the audio for the Twitter space as well. God, you're such a tease! What a tease you Big are! Tease. Big but tease. so is, so is Chris Berninski here. Here's his new uh, pin tweet: <laughs> bullish from near the bottom. Hope to see y'all at ten trillion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Remember, David and I just read out we're at eight hundred and fifty right. billion, ten trillion. Yeah. Little, little ten X here. Little he's 10X expecting, here. yeah. And we'll mm -hmm. see you there. I, this Chris. is the tweet that I retweeted. And I said. Uh, Chris Berniski flipping bullish. It's like a changing of the seasons for crypto, and it just makes me so happy. <laughs> I actually think that's true. Um, all right, Hayden Adams. Uh, this is some interesting stats coming out of the FTX collapse of CeFi uh, debacle. I, I tweeted this out early in the week because I think it's true. CeFi dead. CeFi dead. Like right now, when you talk about centralized finance beyond kind of exchanges, right? Centralized mm -hmm. lending and borrowing, like <laughs> it's down bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not all going to go out uh, out, like out of business and go bankrupt, but like, who's trusting them at this point? The question is, who are the beneficiaries of that of that trust? Does it completely flow out of crypto and back in traditional finance, or does it go somewhere else? And I think Hayden is making the case that maybe it's going somewhere else. We're starting to see some numbers. What tweet are we looking at here? Yeah, so Hayden says Dex starting to replace centralized exchange question mark total ETH USD volume. Uh, and then he lists off the three biggest exchanges, Binance, Uniswap, and Coinbase. Binance coming in at $1.9 billion, Uniswap at $1.1 billion in volume, and Coinbase at $0.6 billion. So Uniswap has now taken the spot of the number two most liquid exchange for ETH USD. David, that oh. makes me so damn happy. That makes happy. me very happy. Do you know why? You don't have to give your private keys to Uniswap <laughs> in order to make a trade. Self-custody. No one can stop it. It's mm -hmm. uncensorable. This is no. DeFi. These are the types of exchanges we need to uh, base this entire system on. Um, all right. Well, we've got a lot more to talk about. I just yeah, uh, do. Almost, almost clicked over. <laughs> almost all about FTX, the contagion, the Genesis halts. Genesis is a large trading firm. We've got to talk about that. They halted withdrawals. Also talking about mainstream media, where they dropped a ball. So much more to cover. We'll be right back. But first, we want to tell you about the sponsors that will help you go bankless. 
Sequence is the all-in-one developer platform you need to build Web3 games and applications. For your users, Sequence is a smart wallet and it's the easiest, most intuitive onboarding your users will ever experience and comes with all the features users need to feel empowered in the Web3 world. Multi-chain support, NFT display, and users can buy SFTs, NFTs, and crypto directly with a credit or debit card. For developers, Sequence is the plug-and-play platform for Web3 games and apps. Their APIs let you bring NFTs, SFTs, and tokens into your game or application, and a Sequence Relayer enables gasless transactions for your users. Sequence already powers some of the best Web3 games like Skyweaver, NFT projects like CoolCats, and marketplaces like NiftySwap. And Sequence is compatible with all the EVM chains, including Ethereum, Polygon, Binance Smart Chain, Arbitrum, Optimism, and Avalanche. So go to sequence.xyz bankless to start building or speak with the Sequence team today. The reality today is that five corporations control the entire world of social media. They own our names, they restrict our content, they monitor our every move. And their time is up, thanks to our sponsor, Deso. Deso is a layer one blockchain built from the ground up to decentralize and scale social networks. With Deso, you can own your own identity, content, and social graph, and take it with you across hundreds of applications already built on the censorship-resistant Deso blockchain. Deso's storage advantages make it finally possible to build infinite state applications applications that can efficiently store and index large amounts of content and data fully on-chain. Deso also offers multiple crypto-native monetization primitives for developers and creators, including social NFTs, social DAOs, social tokens, and social tipping. So in order to experience the social layer of Web3, go to Deso.com and claim your username. That's D-E-S-O.com. All right, Dave, we got to start here with this crazy tweet thread from SBF. What? Yeah, it started, this was November 13th. So this was, was this Monday night? I don't know, all the days are a blur. Uh, there, was, there was the 14th, uh, Monday evening, and um, SBF just tweets out what? What? So it's, SBF always writes a thread. Like he's a thread or it's kind of his meme. And so he always writes these threads with like one parenthesis, like, you know, kind of like a bullet fashion, like one parenthesis, two parenthesis, just to like label As the threads. My a, first a tweet, my second exactly. tweet, my a, third a common, tweet. Common thread uh, etiquette to do that. Uh, this one was weird because he goes one parenthesis, what? <laughs> and then followed by two parenthesis, H, <laughs> the letter H, followed by three parentheses, A. And he is tweeting these out with hours of space not in, in between. rapid fashion not in rapid fashion you're, you're supposed when you write a thread you you write all the th all the tweets and then you send them all at once yep. so that people can go through the thread like a he normal just goes, person does like a normal goddamn person <laughs> uh so what he does is he goes one parentheses what waits two hours three hours and then goes two parentheses h the letter h three parentheses three hours later a and then he ends up spelling over the course of like a 24-hour period what happened over like 10 tweets and then the 10th it goes in parentheses not legal advice not financial advice this is as i remember it my memory might be faulty in parts and then 11 i'll get to what happened but for now let's talk about where we are today and this is a 36 hour long endeavor of people fig trying to figure out reading sbf tea leaves of what the hell he is doing with this tweet thread who does this david who the fuck 
does this? Like, who does this? Like, why would you do this? What, what, what is he trying to get attention? Is he just like toying with us? Yes. I mean, he stole like 10 yes. to $16 billion worth of our money. And he's by just our, like I'm being saying, a meme Lord on Twitter, dude. Why? I mean, this uh, can't be. So I had, I had thought like another thing a normal person would do is like, uh, here's my Twitter account. Give it to the lawyers. Like, like um, PR Put me team. in handcuffs. <laughs> no, this is him tweeting this yeah, out. Some yeah. people, do you hear some of the early speculation? There's always conspiracy theories around right. this that he was like, yeah. um, you know, tweeting out some like some sort of codes, thing. dead yeah. man's witch, mm-hmm. right. uh, something that would unlock. I don't know. Probably, or, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even no, know what there's the, so much. I mean, he didn't. He let's let crypto Twitter run its imagination as to what he was doing. I mean, but this is uh, it's more than what happened yeah. and more than tweet number 10 is mm-hmm. the rest of this thread worth reading. He goes through 11 to 21. Is there anything here that we really care about? Um, it's, 18 it's says like, truth it, and beauty. What? It do, I do. It's all weird, man. And like he says a lot. He says a lot. And all, everyone is like Kobe is like, dude, shut the F up until you tell us how you lost $10 billion. Like everyone is saying, dude, just stop. Just shut the hell up. Just like go away. 24. Uh, he, he's saying shrapnel. a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, so like, like the other conspiracy was that like, he's going for an insanity plea. Yeah. He's like, I'm just going to be insane on Twitter so I can plead insanity later. And then I remember uh, Jake Stravinsky was like, uh, you don't get to plead insanity for becoming insane after you commit the crime. <laughs> Those lawyers, they'll get you on the technicalities. Okay, so like, <laughs> this is not the most insane thing that he did, Ryan. Did you see the Vox article? I saw some of that. I mean, the but, Vox are, oh my God. Okay, before we get to the Vox article, okay. there's a theory of like, uh, you know, ego. Um, there's a th- theory of insanity. I've Drug also use, yeah. read a lot about, you know, pharmacological influence amphetamine use yeah. amphetamine mm-hmm. use in this whole scenario in fact the uh the weightless wrong guy mm-hmm. um did a whole post about this and uh you know there's a there's a lot of evidence that not only sbf but the entire team was on some sort of combination of amphetamines i'm not talking about meth i'm, I'm probably right. talking about Adderall. Yeah. Adderall uh, and, and stronger versions of Adderall. Basically, and maybe cocktails of all of yeah. the above. And so there can be side effects with meth. I'm sorry, with meth. I don't, again, they're not I mean, on there meth. There are side with effects ex- with meth. Yes. <laughs> don't do meth, kids. Um, amphetamines, though, which, which, which can increase your uh, proclivity to shopping sprees and, and gambling and risk-seeking right. type behavior. Yeah. And it doesn't have to turn you into an all-out gambler but it can kind of move the risk curve even a little yeah. bit. And you have to imagine something like SBF, he's a trader in cryptocurrency, right? Mm. He already is pretty far alongside. Podcasts. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. But he's already pretty far on the right side of the risk curve in, in terms right. of the you know 0.01% yeah. of the population mm-hmm. who engages in this type of risk-seeking behavior. If you're on this sort of drug influence, maybe it moves you even further Sure. you know, on, on the side of riskiness. So right. could that have been a factor? Is well, that, is that something do you think he's, he's even trying to, um, push as a legal defense? I, d- I have no idea. I don't think we, anyone can uh, re- think that they can step into the mind of SPF, but also just to double down on that point, like all of that stuff is true. And then also imagine having like your gang of similarly aged cronies who are also engaging in that behavior. Apparently like it was common at FTX 
So like as for, for new, new employees, they, they would get like, I don't know, indoctrinated into this weird cult and, be, <laughs> and they would be like, okay, here's like this slew of amphetamines that you can increase performance with. And so yeah. it became a part of culture to do amphetamines. Uh, and, and so like when you, you are on amphetamines all the time, you're already, your mind is going to get shifted. But when all of your friends are also doing that too, and that's just like the company culture that you have, yeah. like you just totally lose touch with reality. It, it and that's, whole... that's really what's, what's happened here with SPF. He has just completely lost touch with reality. Yeah. And those around him too, because let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's remember he, he couldn't do this alone. He had to create mm-hmm. this kind of cult, this reality distortion right. field in order to do mm-hmm. this. Okay. Now tell me about the Vox article. So is this the one with the text back and forth or is yes. that another? Oh, it's yes. text back okay. and forth. Okay, yes. so there's okay. a reporter. So there's this, yes, there's this uh, reporter uh, at Vox, Kelsey Piper, I guess, is uh, the reporter that, that, that SPF was texting with. And, like, no, SPF knows that this person's a reporter for Vox. And SPF just DMs this guy pages and pages and pages of communications just talking about everything. And Kelsey's, it's like, Kelsey's not a guy, but yes. Uh, oh, pardon me. Uh, and so DM, yeah, DMs Kelsey, like all of these things that you would just, as a lawyer, would not want your client to say. Uh, things like uh, I was like that effective altruism was just like a PR move, for example. Uh, like the number of incriminating things that he gave to this reporter in DMs, who then they took the screen, took, took uh, screenshots and then posted them into the article, uh, is insane, man. It's absolutely. Well, l- let's lunatic. go through some of them. So uh, Kelsey asks. SBF, this question. You said a lot of stuff about how you wanted to make uh, wanted to make regulations just good ones. Was that pretty much just PR too? And he goes, "This, yeah, just PR. F regulators. They make everything worse. They don't protect customers at all." What? <laughs> he, we, I know from eleven experience. days. He went on a debate talking about like regulators and how much right. we needed to work with them and and right. go to the table. Like this is somebody who is a uh, also. A pathological liar, quite yeah. clearly. Here he's saying to Kelsey, "F mm-hmm. regulators." That was all just PR. All of my participation was just PR in the right. whole regulatory fiasco. Kelsey asks, uh, says to Sam, "You were really good about talking about ethics for someone who kind of saw it all as a game of winners and losers." And SBF replies, "Yeah, he he, I had to be." It's what reputations are made of to some extent. I feel bad for those who got effed by it. By this dumb game we woke Westerners play where we say all the right shibboleth. I don't even know what that word is. And so everyone likes it. Basically saying, yeah, the effect of altruism thing was just a front. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it continues. So you you kind of don't it's believe bad, in dude. like doing unethical shit in quotes as anything other than a judgment we bes- bes- uh, bestow upon the losers. And then SBF replies and goes, a month ago, CZ was a walking example of don't do unethical shit or your money is worthless. Now he's a hero. Is it because he's virtuous or because he had the bigger balance sheet and so he won? That's what he thinks. This like, <laughs> there's just not a base level of uh, taking responsibility and Mm-mm. there's not a base level of ethics. Is This is not the type of person you want to entrust your, your money to. It, okay, it, so so here's one. Uh, SBF says to Kelsey, I effed up big multiple times, uh, but you know what was my biggest single uh, F up? He's actually saying the, the word. Uh, and then Kelsey responds, oh, question mark, the one thing everyone told me to do. I'm trying, and then Kelsey responds, I'm trying to guess, but I have no idea. And then Sam goes, chapter 11. 
So of all of his regrets, it was filing for bankruptcy that SPF regrets the most. Also, if you read more of the text messages, he actually still thinks there's a chance. He's like, I didn't want to go bankrupt because I can still raise $10 billion like right now. I used to be the best. That is lunacy. Yeah, it's lunacy. It's it's just off. Like it it's completely um, the, uh, cut off from reality. Yeah. Yeah. Detached, completely detached mm-hmm. from any form of uh, reality. And there's delusions of grandeur there. Maybe, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist, but like, dude, that's but, what we saw with the Eric Voorhees. Like, that's how I would describe that debate with Eric Voorhees detached from reality. But the fact that he still thinks, yeah, at, at the end of this, that he can still just like save the depositors money. I don't even know if he thinks that I don't, I don't know what he thinks. Cause he doesn't have know. any ethics and he could, this could be another PR thing, but all of his tweets recently, David, even this week, have been all about. Um, I'm just my number one priority is is uh, saving customers money and mm-hmm. protecting the customers and depositors. And so, at the end of this, he still thinks he can raise ten billion dollars. Someone's going to sink ten billion dollars into this uh, failing ship and this this broken empire. So here is a fantastic summary thread from uh, Genevieve. Uh, and she t- tweets out, I read the 30-page FTX bankruptcy court filing. How bad were FTX's <clears throat> internal controls? Question mark. Here are the worst examples. Example number one. Employees submitted expense reimbursements over chat. A random manager would accept or reject these reimbursements with an emoji. Number two, <laughs> party, related party loans. Alameda Research, FTX hedge funds, gave Sam Bankman-Fried a $1 billion personal loan. They also loaned director of engineering $543 million. They loaned him money? Loaned, yeah. Um, Three very few records were kept. Most decisions were made over chat with the message automatically deleted after a certain time. So apparently Sam largely communicated with his employees over Signal because you can delete messages in Signal. Okay, Uh, but but go back to that. So they gave SBF a billion dollar personal loan. They just gave yes. him a billion dollars and one of yes. his, his director of engineering half a million dollars. Yeah. So, uh, and that's actually not all of it because, uh, and so in this, the picture that the Genevieve is, is tweeting, it says uh, related party loans receivable of $4.1 billion at Alameda research consisted primarily of a loan, uh, uh by, uh, to paper bird Inc, a loan of $2.3 billion and a loan to Mr. Bankman Fried of $1 billion. You know who owns paper bird Inc? Ryan? I'm going to guess it's, uh, it's Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried. It's Mr. Sam Bankman-Fried. So actually, it was $3.3 billion that he got a loan from FTX. Well, well named. It really was a paper bird, wasn't it? <laughs> Jesus, dude. <laughs> oh, my what God. What else we got man. here? Uh, FTX, number five, FTX had no cash management system. Management had no idea how much cash was on hand at any given time or even where their cash was at all. Number six, FTX did not keep proper records of who they employed. Employees and contractors commingled throughout the different companies without proper documentation of how their time was spent. Certain employees can't be located. Seven, corporate funds were used to purchase personal use real estate and employees and executives put their names on homes purchased with company funds. Eight, Crypto deposited by customers weren't even recorded on the balance sheet. Presumably all <laughs> crypto assets went to one central slush fund used for whatever. What? Nine. The filing makes it clear that Sam Bankman Free does not speak for the company and, and that his erratic and misleading public statement should not should be disregarded. Yeah, I yeah. guess so. Yeah. 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 Uh, so absolutely. like this is just a a house of cards like sticks and like constructed business with a bunch of amphetamine riddled kids who are like oh sweet we got a billion dollars let's do stuff you and know what's like, crazy no adults. but you know what's crazy is the amount of uh, VCs 
Yeah. Like they, they raised, it was it $2 billion from yep. like notable VC firms yep. this year. Yep. A number of which are coming out and, and um, distancing apologizing, themselves. distancing yeah. themselves this mm-hmm. week. Maybe we'll get to some of that. But uh, the fact that this was going on, I guess shows you the level of, I don't know, due diligence some of these firms are doing or the lack yeah. of it, or the, the fact that they are, I think some of these VC firms are just like, they bet on people, they bet on individuals. And so they don't vet the, the core mechanics of the business. They don't look at the books. They're just making a bet on SBF and he was able to con them. Yep. Yep. What's this next uh, tweet we're looking at? So this is a thread I thought was pretty interesting from this uh, Petrify TCG Twitter account that documents a lot of Sam Trabuco, who was the former head of Alameda. And uh, Sam Trabuco put um, a thread together back in 2021. Uh, and he kind of just did some some forensics. And basically, he documents the... Uh, going from Alameda at the very beginning of Alameda, which was a Delta neutral trading hedge fund, and uh, which is just like a normal thing where they just they just market make. They don't take any risk. They don't take positions in the market. Uh, but then they decide to take more risk with like DeFi yield farming, which is more risky, but you can still kind of control your losses to some extent if you're good and sophisticated. Uh, and then as it goes on, they just totally take directional bets on the money on on the market uh and again totally fine if you're not using customer deposits which they were and so you you kind of see the documentation of alameda going more and more and more risk on as the bull market went on because like everyone's a genius right everyone's i was a genius in 2021 not as smart uh, in 2022 but i wasn't using customer deposits uh so that's fine uh (laughs) it's pretty smart then (laughs) yeah uh and so like it's basically like you can see the degeneracy of alameda go higher and higher and higher as the bull market continues and then just like not position themselves at all for the turning around of the market it sucks Um, it's brutal this is so ugly when you Mm -hmm. look into this um there's a, there's definitely a case. I mean, it's very obvious right now that Sam knew exactly everything, what was everything. going on. Not, and it's not even like he was like knew about it. Him, it's like he definitely like orchestrated it. There was a, a message. So remember all of those crazy tweets from Sam that we started off with. Yeah. Uh, we saw. I we there was a leaked photo of the company Slack of FTX that that I'll that I'll read out. Uh, inside of the company FTX, somebody says, why is Sam trolling on Twitter as if this isn't a serious situation? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark. Did we not learn that trolling on Twitter got us here? And Sam replies in Slack, I'm sorry, uh, exclamation point, maybe it's wrong. I took the approach <sighs> because something needed to break through the mob mentality, but I'll likely be more straightforward going forward. What mob mentality? Uh, anyways, uh, the employee responds, Sam, respectfully, this is not helping. Nothing broke through the mob mentality. In fact, your tweets just made the people more mad that you had the audacity to tweet something cryptic when people's lives have been destroyed. I don't think anyone understood the cryptic nature of your what happened tweet thread. If there's more meaning behind it, please enlighten us because we are lost. Your employees lost everything they had on FTX. Wow. FTX users lost everything that they had on FTX. Everyone that chose everyone that chose to believe in you lost everything. You tweeting what happened in 10 tweets spread out over 24 hours is just piquing everyone's anxiety. In addition to the money that they have lost, I was also uh, personally also super anxious after every tweet you sent, hope, hoping for some positive outcome. I request you to only tweet if you think you are adding value to your users, investors, employees, and if you have any plans of making us whole. Anything else would infuriate people even more. A lot of us idolized you, Sam, and you have let us down. In my, in my opinion, you don't have anything of value for your users, investors, employees. Please refrain from tweeting. It's just saying that brutal. this has to come from an, an employee of that FTX inside of Slack. It's sad. It's brutal. 
Man, uh, good riddance, right? Back to the theme. Yeah. I, thank God this guy is is out of here. But um, mm-hmm. it's been a slow train crash, I guess, toward toward the end. All of last, all of this week felt like this. Uh, we're looking at uh, some court documents, mm-hmm. I think, and there is a new CEO at the helm. So of course, yes. FDX goes under uh, bankruptcy, Chapter Eleven. Mm-hmm. That means SBF no longer has power, governance Bye. power of the organization. He has Bye. to step aside. Bye bye. New CEO John Rain, J- John Ray came in, uh, and uh, he writes some scathing reviews of what was going on. This is somebody who's coming externally and helping to. Uh, I guess, organized this company for bankruptcy. And so in these chapter 11 bankruptcy documents, this new CEO says, I have over 40 years of legal and restructuring experience. I have been the chief restructuring officer or CEO of several of the largest corporate failures in history. I have supervised situations involving allegations of criminal activity and malfeasance, Enron, and I've supervised situations involving novel financial structures, Enron and residential capital and cross-border asset recovery and maximization Nearly every situation in which I have been involved has been characterized by deficits of some sort of internal controls, regulatory compliance, human resources, and system integrity. So that's the, that's the, he's setting himself up for a punchline. And here it is. Never in my career have I seen such a failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. From compromised systems integrity and faulty regulatory oversight abroad to the concentration of control in the hands of a very small group of inexperienced, unsophisticated, and potentially compromised individuals, this situation is unprecedented. This is the guy that oversaw the Enron restructuring, saying that this situation is unprecedented. Oh my God. My man's been doing this for 40 years, and he's like, this is the worst I've ever seen in my whole career of seeing terrible things. Like Enron doesn't even hold a, a candle to this. Uh, here's another tweet thread of the chapter 11 first day affidavit. This is the affidavit filed by that uh, John J. Ray. Uh, anything we could take from this? It's so bad, Ryan. Like uh, we've talked a, a few about the things already, like the reimbursing with emoji codes. Uh, there's some other crazy stuff that like employees uh, were paid through online chat. Uh, like SBF and Gary Wang controlled all of FTX's digital assets personally using a group email account to share private keys. Oh my God, dude. Like it's like, if you want to read the train wreck, just like the links in the show notes. Uh, well, here's one. Uh, Alameda had basically special privileges. They had kind of root access of the FTX exchange. And Alameda of course was Sam's private, uh, hedge fund degen trading firm, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, there was a, a secret exemption. This is from the court documents. The secret exemption of Alameda for, from certain aspects of FTX.com's auto liquidation protocol. Alameda was exempt from getting liquidated automatically on so, FTX. So Alameda could leverage long on FTX without fear of liquidation. So basically nope. have no Last risk. Last in line for liquidation. Everyone else gets risk. Why would you ever come to this uh, platform to trade? This what is a terrible insane. Yeah, it just every everything stacked against you. They're, they're mm-hmm. literally preying on their users. Now ultimately they've stolen all the money. So it doesn't surprise me. Well, I, I think this is like one of the reasons why the whole thing uh, fell through is uh, Alameda took a leveraged long position. Uh, then the market turned over, and then they were never liquidated. So who's paying? F- who's paying for that hole? Oh, well, it was FTX. AKA customer deposits because they didn't liquidate their own trading firm on their own exchange. Okay, let's get to contagion. Here's the big story. Genesis. Who is Genesis yes. and what's happening with Genesis right now? 
Okay, Genesis is like the biggest lending and trading desk in all of crypto. They're kind of the heartbeat. And this is this was the contagion that Chris Berniski was saying that he was looking for, right? And so if, if Genesis is impacted, then you kind of know we're at the center of things. So Genesis, they tweeted out that they had $175 million in FTX, which is now gone. And as a result of that, they have had to suspend withdrawals in their lending business. Uh, and so they that their, their lending desk is closed. Um, uh, I'm sure they have plenty of money on the table. Do they have all of the money? I think we're still we're still waiting to to hear as a result of that. But this, of course, bleeds into Gemini uh, and uh, anyone else that has like a an earn product. So Gemini Earn has paused withdrawals, and so of course this bleeds into anyone that gets yield out of of. Um, Genesis, uh, Gemini Earn, for example, Gemini Earn has paused withdrawals out of the, the Gemini team. Uh, and they say that they were working closely with the Genesis team to help customers redeem their funds from the Earn program as quickly as possible. I think they just need to wait for the dust to settle and like see where their accounts are. Uh, this does not impact any other Gemini products or services. The Gemini ex exchange is uh, <laughs> responsibly firewalled from Gemini Earn because of, you know, good common sense and regulation. Uh, and I actually withdrew, like I had like point one ETH on Gem uh, Gemini, and I was able to withdraw that yesterday, so I can speak from experience here. Um, but this leads us back to kind of how like uh, Genesis was the biggest lending desk in the space. So we'll pull up a, a tweet from J uh, Dylan LeClaire here that, that uh, gave their Q3 market activity snapshot. $8.4 billion in Q3 loan originations, $2.8 billion in active loans, $18.7 billion in derivatives uh, traded, and then uh, $9.6 billion in Q3 spot volume traded. And Dylan uh, continues uh, after like putting out some of these numbers and goes, not only does this perpetuate the contagion domino effect, but this also will further uh, the liquidity crunch being felt across the space as institutional uh, players reach for additional financing. Uh, and so we don't really know. I don't really know the knock-on effects of this. Yeah, but, so uh, so the, the the bottom line is um, Genesis paused, withdrawals paused, mm -hmm. which means they're they're clean out of liquidity. That doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean they're they're underwater mm -hmm. and you know their their liabilities exceed their assets doesn't necessarily mean that, but they've run out of liquidity. We don't know. It doesn't seem super healthy. And because Gemini Earns program was based on Genesis, mm -hmm. essentially, now withdrawals are frozen on Gemini Earn. By the way, David, guess guess who had uh, some funds on Gemini Earn too? No way. This guy right here. Wow. All right. I'm Dude, collecting have you all missed? the crypto banks. You've gotten all of them. I haven't missed yet. Wow. And for, like, fortunately... Uh, very, very small amount because again, right. it's just like me testing right. these things. Uh -huh. But um, yeah. Um, now I, wow, I will say you, you got to collect all those parts. Right, so, man. so uh, Celsius is gone. Obviously, yep, I mean, dead. like dead, right? BlockFi eh, probably not, dead unless it gets a great. CZ bailout, right? And yeah. that would be sort of the hail mary miracle shot. Uh, my take on Gemini Earn. I think there's a chance. I think I'm feeling um, pretty good about that. I give you I over 50% chance. I think that Genesis going under would be a really big freaking deal. Yeah. And Gemini, and then the combination of Genesis going under it and then Gemini saying, sorry, all earn customer, like that would be very damaging for Gemini's business, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. it feels like they're going to probably find a way or they could. I don't know. I'm giving it like 50-50 odds. And that is not based on any data or any science. It's just right. Ryan's gut yeah, feeling yeah. right yeah. now. Having having been through them all right now, <laughs> uh, I've got some experience on this. Uh, oh so God, not good. Dude. And of course, this is BlockFi. They sent out an email earlier this week 
We are shocked and dismayed by the news regarding FTX and Alameda. We, like the rest of the world, found out about this situation through Twitter. Isn't that fun? Uh, And basically, they're saying they're trying to protect client funds. They have no clarity. Everything's frozen. I don't know what BlockFi is going to do. Um, it's a it's a really bad situation to be in, especially because they're getting double dunked here, right? They basically right. went underwater over the summer as a result of um, mm-hmm. it was it was a trade. It was the GDBC trade when that kind of fell the floor fell out uh, from that as a result of Three Arrows Capital. They they got wrecked there, and then they got a bailout. But who'd they get a bailout from? FTX, the mm-hmm. Ponzi king himself comes and bails them out, and now they're back underwater again. So pretty brutal situation to be in. I'm not sure that they're going to make it out of this, but um, maybe there's hope. Well, so I feel bad for BlockFi because like this, they got bought up and just like subsumed into the Ponzi. And so why? This why is, did why did Sam buy them? It wasn't out of the good graces of his heart, was it? No, not at all. So this is Autism Capital tweeting out uh, this Twitter account is something else. They did a great job reporting this week. It's uh, <laughs> despite the the, <laughs> the name uh, from a BlockFi employee. The only reason FTX bailed us out was to get our users' funds onto their platform to use in their shell game. They applied immense pressure to get BlockFi funds migrated to FTX custody. Employees were told by executives to not ask questions about the move. Wow. Oof. Bad. Yeah, very bad. Bad. Um, Yeah, so this is a Wall Street Journal again saying BlockFi prepares for potential bankruptcy as the crypto contagion spreads. I, you it's know, more contagion I'm, than that, though. I'm, yeah, I'm not going to call into the contagion either. Even after this mm-hmm. week, I think this will take a few, like, few weeks to pan yeah. out fully. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're, we're gonna, getting gonna, close. I think we're, we're getting we're, close. The, to the news end. will be about this for all throughout 2023. Yeah, uh, Galois Capital had 50 percent of its funds on FTX. Multi-coin cop capital, 100 lost million. 10- That's 50 yeah. percent of their holdings. Yeah, this entire fund Oof. got wrecked. Yeah, Multicoin Capital lost uh, 10%. It was 50% of their assets, um, not all of their deployed capital. But f- yeah, 50% of Multicoin assets were lost. Well, they're down. The, the, it's not... Uh, so I think they got at least 10%, maybe more, actually stuck 10% in FTX. 10% of the fund, uh, uh, yeah. So like of their li- liquid assets that they had, it was like uh, uh, 10, uh, 50% of them. But they well, had a lot of other investments. This 55% so like, number is is their um, the drop in the fund's value including the write down of like all the the FTT tokens and soul and everything else that they had in their fund was a 55% down. Oof. Um Oof. yeah, so pretty pretty brutal. Now that I'm not talking about over the year, I'm talking about over like the week, like a two week period <laughs> right. and you're down 55%. Yeah. Uh, so Circle also had some contagion with uh, Genesis. I actually haven't been able to like get some numbers on this one, but Circle's yield, uh, the yield that you get uh, with Circle is goes from 0.25% down to zero because Genesis was one of the few places that they were getting yield in the first place. To be clear, USDC is fine. Uh, Do USDC is fine. Yeah. <laughs> USDC is not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, and so Cross like, your why, fingers. Why was this, I hate, why was I hate this not going th- anywhere. Like that's hard for yeah. to say right now. Yeah. But I've, I've always to our knowledge. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so like we have to ask ourselves like why why was this at the center of contagion? And it, it kind of was reminiscent of like the Three Rows Capital, where like Three Rows Capital was just taking loan from anyone that would give it to them. Well, FTX and Sam was kind of in the same position. Everyone was like, Sam, take my money. You're like this money making god. Please take my money. And so because he's a sociopath con artist, uh, he would say yes. Uh, so this is Frank Shaparo that said, just spoke with an LP in several crypto funds. Uh, he said when he asked funds why they did lazy due diligence on FTX, 
They responded with basically, he was on the cover of Fortune magazine. He was a big name. That was why they invested in FTX. And so Frank concludes, there's going to be a lot of lawsuits and a lot of funds will shudder. Uh, basically saying that if funds didn't do enough due diligence to investigate what's going on with FTX, then they might get sued. They or, just gave them know. gave him a pass because he had the yeah. social proof and he had the credentials yep. and they just yep. FOMO'd right in because everything mm -hmm. to that point that Sam had touched turned to money. So they needed to be part of that. That's why they, they did the lazy due diligence. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, Frank, Frank uh, continues with a, a quote like, uh, it's just like Theranos, but then also responds, even Theranos had a board of directors, <laughs> which FTX did not. Absolute insanity. It's like Theranos, but worse. Um, all right. So what's going on in sort of the legal side of things? A few things. Number one, the U.S. House Committee just announced that they are scheduling a hearing on the FTX collapse. Great. That, that hearing is apparently happening in December. At some point in time, that will be an eventful hearing. I'm sure mm -hmm. that will be crypto being scrutinized. I don't expect to see a lot of distinction between CFI and DeFi. Uh, I, I don't know. That's going to be an absolute mess, David. We're mm -hmm. obviously going to talk about a lot, uh, talk a, a lot about that as as it as it comes. But uh, I'm not looking forward to that. It's um, nope. yeah, pretty terrible for the industry. Also, what's happening to the influencers who supported FTX and, and advertised for them? Yeah, so Tom Brady, Lady Larry David, a few other supporters, uh, Chef Curry also. Oof, uh, they are. There's a class action lawsuit against other celebrity promoters uh, who promoted FTX, which I kind of like. Larry David was just in the commercial. Like he was just hired to do a commercial. Tom Brady. Why is Tom Brady getting sued? Just because like he had was like a he was a paid spokesperson. Like what you, Tom Brady is the person you trust to do due diligence. I don't really understand <laughs> this one, but people are mad and they're just trying to sue people. Yeah, I I don't know what'll happen with these types of lawsuits, but yeah, people are very mad. But don't take. Larry David from us. He is a national treasure, please. Um, <laughs> so, okay. This? So there's a bunch of like reactions, uh, of course, the entire crypto world is reacting, but I, I mean, positively. Uh, so Binance uh, has announced that their intent to do uh, a, what, a Vitalik Buterin flavored proof of reserves system. Uh, so CEO Binance CZ reveals plans to implement a new proof of reserve system protocol developed by Vitalik Buterin. So that's a nice, healthy response. Uh, also, uh, in line with Binance, Crypto.com also intends to audit their reserves uh, using a proof of reserve system as well. Uh, and then also, we kind of alluded to this earlier with uh, the Uniswap volumes at all-time high. Uh, Self-custody is at all-time highs. Uh, and so uh, Gnosis Safe saw almost a billion dollars of inflows into the Gnosis multisig. Ledger, the, the Ledger hardware wallet, sales at all-time high. Trezor hardware wallet sales up 300%. Uh, and so th this tweet is just saying the flight to self-custody is here. Uh, and then, of course, this is uh, this is Andrew Thurman who's saying uh, most DeFi protocols are up double digits in users and transactions, while exchange exchanges have huge outflows. Crypto, as measured by on-chain activity, is doing great despite FTX fraud. Uh, and he's actually retweeting uh, some uh, Joe Weisenthal's tweet that says uh, a lot of uh, like. 
Joe Reisenthal is making fun of crypto being like, oh, yeah, but this isn't real crypto making a claim like, yeah, it's not real communism, uh, which is he's uh, always so cynical about. Yeah, he's always cynical. Doesn't ever Mm -hmm. grab the nuance of it. But um, right. Anyways, we have the data to prove that we are doing the responsible reactions to this to this event. Cynics won't believe me, but like this is this is good for crypto. This is mm-hmm. healthy. I mean, this is mm-hmm. good for bankless money systems overall that we yep. detox and get this uh, centralized, um, you know, flaw in our system Addic- out addiction right now. Out it of was us, an addiction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we had some mainstream reporting about this entire situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Some pretty bad mainstream reporting. Pretty we bad. also had we also had um, democratic uh, Democrat influence, of course. So SBF was the number two largest donator to the Democratic Party uh, and some other folks within the FTX organization contributed a great deal to Republicans as well. What uh, tweet are we reading from Ryan Shea? Yeah, so Ryan Shea says, this is crazy. Elizabeth Warren is known for being the anti-crypto senator who helped her draft the tax legislation bill in 2016. None other than Joseph Bankman, father of SPF. Uh, here's re- and then he follows up. Uh, here's a reference to the bill on her website where she thanks Joe for the endorsement. Uh, this legislation has been endorsed by dozens of law professors and economists, including Joe Bankman of Stanford University. Wow. Uh, and then he follows up with uh, a tweet from Elizabeth Warren. And Elizabeth Warren tweets out, The implosion of FTX must be a wake-up call for Congress and financial regulators to hold this industry and its executives accountable. Too much of the crypto industry is smoke and mirrors. It's time for stronger rules and stronger enforcement to protect ordinary people. Hmm. Okay. That's an interesting tie. Uh, how yep. about this? Uh, so cold blooded Schiller tweets out, honestly, this headline and write up is awful for, from the FT, from the financial times, uh, CZ's actions. Uh, this is a quote from the article. CZ's actions left Sam Bankman frieds FTX filing for bankruptcy as in CZ, the consequences of CZ's actions forced Sam to file for bankruptcy. No, it's FBS actions that left FTX and hundreds of more filling, filing for Yeah, they have to correct that. That's the major... Pointing at the finger at CZ is a weird angle for the media to take. It's and there's weird. this weird like caricature of CZ in a very not uh, gracious illustration of CZ. It's a bad look. It's yeah. a bad look. And this is the FT, man. Uh, uh, another one saying, bankrupt FTX gave $18.2 million to early COVID researchers who cast doubt on ivermectin and hydroquoxacquine. This is like, I just butchered that, that pronunciation, but this was like these like non-vaccine like solutions that were really supported by the right. Uh, and the claim here is that FTX gave $18 million to researchers who were able to cast doubt on like these right conservative aligned solutions to COVID. Dude, and like, Why does this headline one. matter? I don't understand this. So like go to go to the next one where where the title is FTX collapsed Doom's founder's effort to prevent another pandemic. Why? Uh, And the sub the sub line is flush with crypto cash. Sam Bankman-Fried spent tens of millions of dollars on on campaign donations and projects intended to bolster public health and track emerging viruses. What? This is what we're focusing on. How like Sam tried to stop the pandemic? Are you serious? I don't even understand, actually. This. It's, it just, it's because, like, the mainstream media doesn't is like he's he's a darling, and they can't 
they can't. Are you sure they st- mainstream media is still reporting out that he's a do- like? I don't consume much mainstream media. Okay, but- so go go to go to Balaji's tweet because Balaji's tweet will will uh, summarize it pretty well. Uh, the net result of FTX is that billions of dollars was stolen from crypto investors to give to Democrat-aligned politicians, nonprofits, and journalists. This is why there may be no prosecution. Are you serious? Is there really not going to be like this man should be in a jumpsuit, right? Like this is very like the fact that he's not already is insane. Well, this is very like this is very clear. This is very clearly like fraud, a scam, like mm-hmm. the biggest financial heist that we've seen since a Bernie Madoff. Um, and in Bernie Madoff's case, it was investors at least. This is literally the guy stealing from depositors. Mm-hmm. He's like operating a bank and stealing the savings accounts and he's not going to go to jail for this. There's not going to be like responsibility. I, I can't believe that's true, David. I, I, I hope it's not true, but like some of the takes from mainstream media that missed the ball, like CZ triggered FTX's collapse. Uh, FTX collapse founder tried to stop the pandemic. Just like some insane headlines, man. It's, it's, it's crazy. And remember, Balaji always goes after uh, the New York Times for being like woke media. Yes. Uh, and so, like, if FBFs is SBF is donating seventy million dollars to like the woke political party, then then all like the woke media like don't go after the actual point. Of we'll the whole see. Thing. I want to give it some more time. I can't believe mainstream media is coming out on SBF side. How is that even a tenable? Position I don't know. In I don't know if they're coming off on SBF side. They're just missing the point. Mm. They're 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 missing the point about how he should be in a jumpsuit. Um, okay. How about, uh, how about this from Brian Armstrong? I'll read this out. Twitter's broken just about every piece of this FDX story using blockchain analytics while New York times is writing puff pieces on a criminal. feels like a turning point for citizen journalism and loss of trust in mainstream media. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, the coverage from what I just saw now and have been seeing has not been good. Um, I hope we get, <laughs> I don't know that I have a lot of hope other than look, we public, Blockchains give us accountability into mm-hmm. financial systems like this. And so anybody on chain can see what's going on and report out. And they're actually doing the work. I mean, individuals are doing the work. They're uncovering uh, where the money is flowing and what's actually happening. And it feels like mainstream media is just off on another planet uh, at, you know, at worst and like three steps behind at best. So Haska Trade summarizes this, this nicely where he just says, uh, lost count of the number of mainstream media articles since, uh, since uh, recently that have focused on CZ's role in this, SBF's ambitions, and also SBF's sleep schedule while failing to address Alameda FTX relations, backdoors, misuse of customer funds, the convenient hack, constant lies, reassolvency. Like again, missing the point. David, did we even cover the hack? Did we even talk about the hack? I don't even know what to do with the hack because like the, yeah, so FTX got hacked. We don't know who's got the money. It's like now the 30, 30th largest ETH holder. I don't even know what to do with that information. So there, there was some sort of hack that um, mm-hmm. even kind of the new owners, chapter 11 owners of uh, the people trying to reorganize, restructure mm-hmm. FTX uh, agree was a hack by mm-hmm. some sort of third party I, employee rogue, insider. Employee. I think it was a rogue employee. And we don't know all the details. And how much did yeah. they, they come out with? It's like hundreds of millions of it's dollars, a, right? It was like almost a billion dollars, right? It was and like eight or we were seeing million. this on chain as it was happening. This is earlier in the week, right? And they were converting yeah. from like different stable coins and yeah. ultimately into, into ETH. ETH. And now yeah. they, last I saw, they were like the 36th largest ETH holder. Yeah. yeah. 
And so we don't know who this hacker is because of all of the mismanagement and the lack, complete utter lack of security at FTX. Um, Mm. A whole bunch of people could have done this, uh, including someone rogue and external from the organization. So, so no idea. They were sharing private keys over email. Oh my God. It could have been anyone. Meanwhile, there is a, a redemption arc starting from uh, our friends at Three Arrows Capital. David, fill us in here. Yes. Yeah. So, like, a number of people came out of the woodwork. A number of, like, destroyed reputations came out of the woodwork <laughs> in the last, like, two weeks. So, like, Do Kwan showed up on Up Only. Uh, and then both Kyle Davies and Sue Zhu started tweeting again. Uh, and so like people are just like, like saying like, now is the time that you guys just return well, to crypto they don't Twitter. look so bad relative to, yeah, because they, there are, there are, uh, is it's a, a bigger, somebody lost more money than they did. Uh, and so like both Kyle Davies and like three and, and Suzu are like saying like, Oh, like, here's my like story. Like uh, Suzu put this like tweet thread together about uh, this metaphor for surfing then how he like crashed on the waves because he traded. And then like, and everyone was like, shut the hell up. You like lied fraudulently about the state of your balances so you could borrow more money. You know, something else uh, is who does CNBC mainstream media finance decide to put on their show? to talk about, to comment on SBF and FTX fiasco. Kyle Davies, Three Arrows Capital, that's yeah, what wait, they put but on. Did you, did you hear the question that, that she asked? I did, yeah. <laughs> it's okay, let's play it. Andrew, it's, it's Becky. Um, I take it you're not in Bali because of the G20. Are you there because Indonesia is one of seven countries that won't extradite you back to the United States? Uh, no. Um, well, for... For one, I, I, I haven't lived in the United States for like a decade. I've been in Asia. But uh, for two, no, it's just a good place to be. So, Ryan, why do you think uh, Kyle Davies is in Bali? Well, I think we all know the answer. Like, what I'm shocked at is Kyle appears on TV and he doesn't expect to be asked that question. Right. I'm like, it should not be a surprise. But part of me wonders, do you think CNBC is like, I mean, why would they have Kyle on, Davies? To, to comment on this. Do you think that they are actually just mocking crypto? Is this like a supple, let's bring on some of the biggest scammers of, of 2022 and get these crypto people to comment on <laughs> SBF well, to embarrass the industry. So you them. guys know how to scam, right? Can you comment about like the state of SBF? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. Uh, yeah, so anyway, look, we're still probably gonna be talking about this sadly next week. Um, we'd rather be talking about other things. In fact, after we come back, we're, we're not talking, talking about, about FT- things. FTX. Not, we're not, we're not talking about it. Yeah. For a little bit. Anyway, yeah. maybe towards the end we will again, yeah, yeah. but, uh, coming up next, want to talk about L2s cause they are coming in hot, still building. Starkware has a new token, the Starknet token, also bankless doing an NFT release. What? A little something. We are? Not a big one, but a little something really cool. I didn't know that. Uh, we'll tell you more about that. I didn't know that right when we come back after these fantastic sponsors that made this episode possible. TrueFi is DeFi's largest credit protocol, connecting global lenders with institutional-grade lending opportunities. TrueFi has completed over $1.7 billion in originations and paid out nearly $35 million to lenders, proving that DeFi is ready to take its next big leap into the $8 trillion credit market. TrueFi gives lenders like you access to sustainable, high-yield opportunities backed by real-world investments, usually reserved for high-net-worth individuals. At the same time, fund managers use TrueFi's financial infrastructure to bring their portfolios 
on-chain, benefiting from the global liquidity, cost savings, and transparency of DeFi. TrueFi is a decentralized financial utility. The protocol is owned and governed by the TrueFi DAO, and TrueFi is here to bring DeFi into the golden age, bridging the power and access of crypto with institutional-grade lending opportunities and portfolio tooling. Explore the diverse financial opportunities available on TrueFi or launch your own portfolio at TrueFi.io. If you've been listening to Bankless, you know that we're fans of the modular blockchain thesis. The idea that blockchains will separate execution from data availability and consensus, allowing all three to become the best versions of themselves. And Fuel has built the fastest modular execution layer in the industry. By supporting parallel transaction execution, Fuel unlocks significantly faster throughput for the Web3 world. Fuel also goes beyond the limitations of the EVM with its own Fuel VM which is more efficient and optimized, opening up the design space for developers. And lastly, Fuel brings a powerful developer experience with its own domain-specific language, Sway, and a supportive toolchain called Fork. With Fuel, you can have the benefits of smart contract languages like Solidity while adopting the improvements made by the Rust tooling ecosystem, letting the Fuel development environment go beyond the limitations of the EVM. If you want to learn more, there's a link in the show notes to see how you can get involved with the Fuel network. We all love tokens, Ryan. I know you like tokens. Did you know that the StarkNet token is now deployed on Ethereum? That is cool. Uh, the StarkNet token is called STRK. It's a great Now name. deployed on mainnet Ethereum. So um, I actually haven't even had a chance to kind of look at the price or any of the details around this. Uh, do you have anything there that is, we should There know? is not much. They just have a token and they said that they are going to work on distribution. All right, work on it. <laughs> work on that distribution. Uh, businesses can now accept USDC with Apple Pay. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big move. Yeah. So USDC now getting into wallets like Apple Pay. It feels like some stablecoin saturation here. Yeah, uh, still waiting on the actual details of like how that actually shows up in my wallet. If I can put USDC on my phone and pay with Apple Pay, that is a huge unlock. But uh, I, would, I would like to see how that actually gets uh, shown up. Anyways, uh, Solana actually, sadly, is getting USDC taken away from it. So uh, this was interesting. Both Binance and OKX have halted USDC and USDT deposits onto the chain. Uh, so Binance says uh, Binance has temporarily suspended Tether and USDC deposits until further notice. Um, and also OKX did it too. Uh, this I, is FTX fallout stuff, right? I, I think so. I think it's because uh, Alameda was the large like market maker on Solano using uh, these stable coins. And now since there's no market maker, there's no, less liquidity. I, I That's the rumor that I've heard. I don't know why they made this choice. But the fact that both of them made it at the same time, it was interesting. Solana's definitely taken a hit um, hit, from yeah. this. Um, I think they'll recover. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to take a while for this wound to heal. Um, let's talk about some NFT stuff. So Yuga Labs are buying some Beeple stuff. Mm -hmm. Beeple's getting involved with Yuga Labs. What's this? So Yuga Labs has acquired uh, Beeple's platform WeNew, along with its flagship NFT collection, 10KTF, which I actually didn't know existed. Um, and Beeple, uh, Mike, aka, will also become an advisor to Yuga Labs. So hmm. cool. Interesting development. Didn't see that one coming. Uh, also didn't see this one coming. Uh, Nike swoosh platform to <laughs> allow uh, users to buy digital uh, wearables and uh, build a community around these digital wear wearables, uh, a.k.a. Nikes. Uh, Ryan, you going to line up to buy a digital Nike? You know, I don't. I don't really. I'm not a, uh, a shoe guy in real life, so uh, <laughs> I, I won't be in the metaverse either. Um, and surprise, is it's on Polygon. Yeah, Nike and Polygon uh, partnership. Biz, Biz Dev from Polygon continues to mm -hmm. absolutely crush it. 
uh, Sony just got a patent for NFTs mm -hmm. and the blockchain. So Sony doing some things. I guess all companies are still doing things in crypto, even despite this bear market. Yeah, so uh, they say the patent is for tracking in-game assets in video games, and it lays out mechanics for tracking changes in ownership, visual appearances, or metadata of digital assets. Kind of seems like it would uh, it's a skin kind of thing. It's like, oh yeah, it changes as you wear it, and if you trade it, it goes, I don't know, something like that. That's what I, I imagined. We are experimenting with NFTs too, so we promised this before we cut to sponsors. Uh, Bankless is actually doing collectibles hey. for some of our podcasts. Mm -hmm. So these are sound collectibles. I know you and I, David, have been on a, a little bit of a kind of a, a music sound NFT binge where we've acquired some mm -hmm. of our own. Mm -hmm. At least I have. I don't know if you have, but you, you've, yeah. you've certainly been bullish about them. Mm -hmm. uh, so we thought, why not? try our hand at this and convert some of the historic legendary bankless podcasts into collectibles. So we are actually releasing the first mint, the first bankless collectible podcast today. If you were listening to this, uh, I think at 12 PM East, mm -hmm. it, uh, it will go live. And the first episode that we're releasing as a collectible NFT. So a sound collectible NFT is actually the SBF and Eric Voorhees debate. Mm -hmm. Now, all of the proceeds from this collectible, uh, we've decided to allocate towards Coin Center. So it's already tuned up so that anytime one of these NFTs is minted or any of the royalties on uh, a resale goes directly, all the proceeds from that go directly to the Coin Center ETH address. So if you buy one of these NFTs or if you sell it, percentage of the transaction fee on the, on the sale, the royalty fee will go to Coin Center. And the idea here, David, is we're going to be doing more collectibles mm -hmm. in the future. But this episode in particular, I mean, some people have said this episode sort of almost was the pinprick, the, the prick that popped the the, yeah. the balloon here. It was, it was and, the start um, of the fall of the house of cards. Yeah. Yep. It helped us uncover everything with, uh, with SBF. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we all know that not only in this, in the conversation, but all of the regulatory actions, all of the kind of the smoke filled uh, rooms and, and meetings that SBF was having with, with regulators, with lawmakers behind the scenes, he's done a lot of damage yeah. to crypto in DC, particularly, I think, damage to DeFi protocols. Uh, and um, your know, donation to Coin Center, I think, through this NFT, can, can, it's not gonna undo the damage overnight, but it can help. Right. It's something. Coin Center is doing fantastic work. Uh, they are educating our lawmakers. They are, are fighting for our legal rights. Uh, and their jobs are a lot for crypto harder values. now. So we kind of owe it to them. <sighs> their jobs just got a whole lot harder. Yeah. So uh, anyway, the starting price of this, I believe, is uh, 0.05 ETH. There's only a hundred of these, mm -hmm. and then they're all they're all sold out. So uh, we'll see how this goes, but uh, we're pretty excited about it. And if you are a holder of 35,000 bank, that price is actually 0.04 Ether. Uh, we took that snapshot today. And the other cool thing about this is SBF talked a big game about effective altruism, Ryan. But with this, it's the donations to Coin Center are in the code. It, the money goes from you to them because of the code. Uh, and so you don't got to trust us uh, the way it's meant to be. Absolutely. And of course, this is uh, this is going to be the first of many collectibles. This first, yes. like I said, 100% of the proceeds are going to uh, to Coin Center. We'll be doing more in the future, too. So All we've got this legendary bankless podcasts. Yeah, this is called the Genesis Collection. So mm -hmm. this is the first of four others that will be released. There's five in total in the Genesis Collection. We're not going to tell you 
what the next podcast will be, but they're some of our favorite. These are the legendary yeah. podcast episodes that uh, you can begin collecting. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, it could be a fun way to experiment with NFTs as well. Meanwhile, moving on to different ecosystems, Cosmos, the community, has voted on the Atom 2.0 proposal and rejected it, actually. Interesting. Uh, but basically, the community has largely voc uh, vocalized support for the general direction, but they wanted more clarity and refinement on some of the finer details. Uh, so just taking a little bit back to the drawing board with the Adam 2.0 white paper. Um, they're still going to do it, right? They're yes, still going to improve the monetary there's, economics there's or pieces of it? General support for the vibe of the white paper, but they yeah. want more specifics. So they voted I'd no for chop now. Chop it into parts, maybe, yeah, exactly. something like this. Yeah, uh, and you know how we usually joke about like how our the Fed is like researching CBDCs? Yes. Well, the private markets, Citigroup, HSBC, Wells Fargo, MasterCard, and a few others have actually joined forces with the Federal Reserve Bank of New York to actually explore a CBDC trial. We will see what comes up out of that. Yeah, Not absolutely. <laughs> Neither am I. <laughs> David, some cool releases this week. Uh, the first from DeFi Llama. What are they up to? Oh, they have an aggregator. So they are joining Matcha, One Inch, now DeFi Llama. They Exchange have a Dex aggregator. Dex aggregator. Oh, very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, and how about uh, this? This is really exciting, actually. I'm so excited! Permissionless, uh, 2023. We're doing it again! <laughs> it was a great conference. Probably, <laughs> definitely the best crypto conference I've ever been I'm to, sure David. I'm sure it was. I'm sure. <laughs> hey, I can also say it was one of the best. It was definitely in the top three crypto conferences that I've been to in That's the last huge. two years. And That's I've huge. been to basically all of them. Well, this is one that we are helping to throw. Uh, mm -hmm. We helped to throw it last year with uh, the team at BlockWorks, and, mm -hmm. and we're doing it again this year. And this year it's going to be bigger, badder, better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and when I say this year, by the way, I don't mean 2022. Sorry. Yes. I'm talking about September 2023, <laughs> Austin, Texas, September 11th through the 13th, more mm -hmm. precisely. Yeah. So we're going to Austin because mm -hmm. we need a bigger venue for this. And uh, the news is that uh, right now you can get tickets at the lowest possible price that you'll ever be able to get it. Because mm -hmm. in 13 days, the price of this thing increases. General admission pass to the permissionless conference is $199. You buy that now. So if you know you're still going to be crypto in September of mm -hmm. next year, if you're a, tour, a, a settler, not a tourist, you're going to want one of these tickets. Mm -hmm. And the big benefit, of course, is if you are a Bankless Premium subscriber, you get another 30% off mm -hmm. on this. So Bankless Premium members, not only do you get that uh, fantastic Chris Berninski episode, Mm -hmm. in your premium RSS feed, but you get 30% off of the general admission pass at Permissionless. There's a link in the show notes where you can click and uh, actually redeem that 30% discount if you are a Bankless Premium member. So, dude, I am so excited. And you know what, David, you and I get to plan the agenda. We get to plan yes. all of the speakers. Yes. Oh, well, only only if people like the agenda. Then then we did it. If not, it was Blockworks. Then, <laughs> uh, but that's so fun. I, yeah. I just love pouring all of the time, bankless yeah. content into uh, into that agenda and, and getting the entire community together for this. Yeah, people always, uh, were surprised that Permissionless 2022 was a year one conference, but yeah, that was the first year that we did it, and it was a huge success. Uh, I'm really looking forward to doing this again uh, in 2023. Ryan, I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to seeing you, man. For the second time? For the second time. <laughs> in our lives? Dude, I, I got to get up to New York. I'll come up to New York before yeah. that. That'll be yeah, embarrassing do your layer zero. that's the second time. Uh, no, I'm not doing my layer zero. It's too much. Matter Lab, ZK Sync raises $200 million 
dollars. So in their Series C, led by Blockchain Capital and Dragonfly Ventures, uh, ZK Sync raised two hundred million dollars, uh, which uh, leads to the total funding of four hundred fifty-eight million dollars, uh, and uh, a lot of that going uh, ultimately into the ZK Sync ecosystem. Uh, so congratulations to ZK Sync on the raise, uh, and also Ryan and I are advisors to ZK Sync. There's also an episode on ZK Sync that we dropped yes. in the Bankless YouTube channel. You can catch up and yeah. find out more about that raise and what they're doing uh, more recently. Um, CZ is also still investing, I guess. <laughs> the only guy left with money. I hope it's real money. Yeah. You think it is, David? I think, Not yeah. like the FTX uh, Sam Bankman fried money. It's I th real? I think it is. I think it is. Uh, he I says don't know, this. though, because you, know, you just don't really know. I just signed eight investment deals, all small amounts, but good projects, we think. I guess uh, trying to bolster the strength of this industry mm -hmm. uh, while everyone's panicking. Uh, yeah. Good time to invest, I think, yes. if, if you're CZ, though, okay. for yeah. sure. Good, good time to buy companies and stuff. It's also still a good time to get a job in crypto. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have Layer 2 doing a $200 million raise, you know ZK Sync is hiring. What do we got on the job board this week? Uh, shall I read some out? Yeah, do it. All right, bankless.pallet.com. Of course, you can find out about a senior smart contract engineer at Swell, senior front end en engineer at Swell as well, and a back end engineer. Uniswap Labs, they need a developer relations lead, a senior front end engineer, and more. There's all sorts of jobs still on the Bankless job boards. Open Hedge, Optimism is hiring, Rabbit Hole, CoinShift, Ribbit Capital, Chainlink Labs, and more. Find that out. Link in the show notes or bankless.pallet.com slash jobs. Guys, we're going to be back with some hot takes from crypto Twitter. And you know they're going to be hot this week. Yeah. Pretty spicy. Uh, some takes from Eric Voorhees, Chris Berninski, Brian Armstrong, and more. But before we do, we want to thank the sponsors that made this episode possible. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. The Brave Wallet is your secure multi-chain on-ramp into Web3 and it's built directly into the Brave privacy browser. Gone are the days of managing multiple wallet extensions that put you at risk of phishing, spoofs, and tracking. With the Brave Wallet, you can securely manage your crypto assets across more than 100 different chains, including Ethereum, Layer 2s, Solana, and more, all without downloading risky extensions. The Brave Wallet is easy to set up and removes the headache of jumping between wallets and extensions. It's lightweight, but packed with great features like built-in token swaps, buying and holding NFTs with a gallery view, and support for hardware wallets. But also much more than that, because Brave is shipping new features every single month with a mission to make Web3 easier to navigate for its over 55 million users. Wallet extensions are a thing of the past. So get started with Brave's Web3 Ready browser today and experience a decentralized web seamlessly without all the clutter. You can download the browser at brave.com bankless and click the wallet icon to get started. All right, guys, we're back. Takes of the week. Jake Chervinsky, number one. What's he saying here? A lot of people think the collapse of FTX is evidence that crypto doesn't have a future. For me, it's the exact opposite. 
This proves why crypto, trustless, permissionless, uncensorable crypto is the only path forward for the future. This week we grieved, next week we build. Good words from Jake Travinsky. Uh, I think we made this point earlier this week that crypto is kind of bifurcated into two paths. We're going to have the centralized path. We'll, we'll always have that. That will be more tightly regulated from here on going forward. The other path, the bankless path, is the DeFi path. Mm-hmm. And I'm hopeful that we continue to build on these permissionless, uncensorable, trustless protocols, the DeFi protocols from the base layer up. Space in the middle that FTX tried to occupy no longer Man. exists. No longer exists and uh, was not a good space to occupy to begin with. What's this tweet from Eric Voorhees? Eric Voorhees says, crucial lesson to DeFi builders. Do not take a victory lap. Do not let your guard down. Do not cede an inch to complacency in your code. Audit often and from multiple parties and assume the audits failed. Use guardrails to scale cautiously. DeFi wins with vigilance. I think this is just emblematic of like this state of mind of... Uh, just like just being more just militant and mission driven about why we're here in the first place. And when somebody like SBF and FTX comes and crashes our party, what do we do? We get better in spite, out of spite. Uh, and I feel like that fits into the, the theme of this week, which is good riddance. Yeah, I, I really I love having the ability to view source on these assets and mm-hmm. some of these decentralized protocols. Right. It's like. And um, that's the way all crypto should be, right? The fact that we had no idea what mm-hmm. was going on in FTX's balance sheets, that is so anti-crypto. That is so anti-DeFi. Um, what's this from Chris, Chris Berninski talking about the Dark Lord? Yeah. Read this out. <laughs> Chris says, everywhere I look, there are muggles who don't know the Dark Lord has fallen and the wizards are free. <laughs> I think it's just like emblematic of just like, yeah, uh, the, the wizards... what does he mean the wizards are like crypto natives right and we're free from because the dark lord is dead yeah basically Uh, basically we just uh voldemort just um is is gone now to a a better place and so um you know it it seems like it seems like everyone's sad and upset because you know i guess there's this blight on on crypto but chris is looking at the the removal of a cancer from the system yeah and he's saying no this is actually the best news i mean Chris almost seems from his tweets and even what we read earlier in the episode, he almost seems jubilant yeah. about all of this. And yeah. not not obviously the events and the people impacted, you know, nothing like that. Um, but just the fact that he felt It's up felt only very, from here. Yeah. It, it, we have felt the necessary pain. can't be down pain. bad any worse. <laughs> no. And we've, we, this is the right kind of pain to yeah. feel. Like um, uh-huh. these are tough lessons, but we're learning them. And, uh, you know, through learning these lessons, we can, we can make it out and to the other side. All right, David, I could ask you, uh, what are you bullish on this week? I think you've got something to uh, to show us today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so last week, I was down bad. I was very sad. I was a sad boy, as listeners of the uh, weekly roll-up would, would remember. Uh, and, like, the amount of just, like, hate and flack I got out of that on Twitter was, like, surprising. Like, people are just, like, I think not... Secure. You were the poster. Bo- you were like the uh, a poster boy for all of kind of the down bad crypto people. I think even like in so there was two groups that I I saw because mm-hmm. David, you almost became a meme last week, right? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. There was definitely the internal crypto who are familiar with Bankless, familiar with the show, like know uh-huh. who you are. Yeah. And these are people like from I don't know the Hex community, right. 
uh, the, toxic. The, the communities that I have offended previously. Yes, or that, I don't know, they, they have some beef maybe with Bankless yeah. or something that you've uh-huh. said. And so there was a lot of, and you know, even the strong Bitcoin maximalist mm-hmm. communities, like right. th- there was a lot from there. But then I also saw you in kind of outside crypto uh-huh. uh, cultures. Like there was yeah. this uh, mega streamer with like, right. I don't know, 3 million uh, subscribers to yeah, his Twitch let's watch channel. watch these crypto bros cry. He was watching you over and over on a <laughs> yeah. cycle. I watched Dude, like 30 minutes of sure. this where he was just talking about mm-hmm. it. And it was just like, and I think he was using that as, uh, uh, you know, all the crypto, all the crypto right. bros are crying right now. Right. Look at this guy. Ha ha ha. Right. So they're legitimately both crying. Of camps, yeah. <laughs> which that piece probably, I mean, that's outside of the, right. you know, the crypto tribe and they don't know uh-huh. you, right? It's just like, whatever. Okay, so the part that people didn't see, and this is what I'm bullish on, Ryan, is just the bankless family. I felt like there was a family here. And the just insane amount of outpouring of messages that I got, and I think you got a bunch of them too, just in my Twitter DMs, inside of the Inner Circle Discord, was just like, uh, it was pages, Ryan, of like, and I, I took a, some screenshots, some screenshots of them and, and sent them to you just be like, dude, look at, look at like all of these people, like, like saying like how much they've just appreciated Bankless and, and like all this stuff that we've been doing over the last year and especially over the last week. Uh, and uh, I didn't, not any one of them was really emblematic of, of all of them, but until I got this one, Ryan, which was somebody wrote out an entire letter uh, <laughs> entitled pep talk from a longtime listener. Uh, You and Ryan have put your hearts and and souls into helping make the crypto space more accessible and meaningful to the average non-technical user, uh, user, and you've done it tirelessly week after week. You are to the space what Andreas Antonopoulos was for Bitcoin back in the day, only to you're operating at the bleeding edge. And I'm sure it must feel exhilarating at times and futile at times like now. If anyone gives you shit for emotion you displayed in the video, that's their issue. In a space that can become so incredibly mechanical, toxic, mercenary, and seemingly devoid of humanity, you guys have constant, consistently been the light that brings the human element back into the focus. And it's heartbreaking to see one of the good guys in despair. And I, I, the, this this goes on. I just want to thank the the bankless community and everyone who's listening and everyone who's just like... It's nice. It's always nice to to know that you guys are there, uh, and it, it it was a, a nice moment just to know that we're doing the right thing, and we have people that are along the bankless journey with us. So thank you for everyone who's been listening to these things, these weekly roll ups, over and over and over again, and and thank you for your for your words of support. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, hundred percent. I appreciate it. I, David, I'm I'm not gonna lie. I was feeling pretty down like this past weekend about. Mm-hmm. Uh, about everything, right? Just like, just SBF, crypto getting mm-hmm. a black eye, but then also just um, some of the infighting in crypto. Like, yeah, um, it got toxic. A lot of the blame, I, they were looking for people to kind of burn at the at the stake and, you know, anybody who had a YouTube channel, anyone who had a podcast, like uh, sometimes we were sort of thrown under that bus too. Um, but what more than compensated for it was uh, letters like this and messages like this. And Dude, um, hundreds my DMs were filled. Yeah, I had I did not expect that. Yeah, and this is kind of just the I don't know the silent majority I think mm-hmm. of of uh, good people in crypto, uh, and I just want to say we appreciate you guys. We appreciate the the bankless community and the bankless nation. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, ultimately, you guys are why we do this. Yeah. Um. You know, I don't think I would have the energy to continue doing this. I mean, God, how many 
episodes have we recorded over the past two weeks? All time highs. Oh, in the last two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, over 500. <laughs> my God. Uh, and by, by the way, um, podcast just hit 30 million downloads too, yep. mm-hmm. um, which is really cool. And we just appreciate knowing you guys are, are there for us and listening in week to week. And you guys are the silent ones that reach out when, uh, when mm-hmm. we need help and when we're in crisis. So yeah. um, we're doing this for you. Yeah. Um, wow. I don't have an- another one to top that, David. I don't know what I'm bullish on compared to that. I'm definitely bullish the bankless community. Um, I think I'm, I'm, I'm bullish about an opportunity to rebuild though. Mm. Um, sort of like, you know, the, the dark Lord is dead kind of idea with, uh, with Berninsky here. Um, I think that SBF and that circle of uh, trader finance, uh, I'm going to call it finance bros as shorthand, but that whole culture yeah. was sort of the the last distraction yep. for me that I felt. Like now it's very clear what's in front of us. We've got decentralized finance, Ethereum, and related communities. Mm-hmm. And then we have on the other side, we have some of the crypto banks like B- the Binance's of the world. And it's these two these two camps. Um, and not to say Binance is always doing bad things, of course. I think they have some crypto values, but they're not building on yet anyway, on base layer protocols like uh, Ethereum and Bitcoin. And so I I feel like the last distraction is gone and we know very clearly what we need to do and how we uh, need to rebuild this industry and revitalize it. That doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but um, you know, I know where I'm going to be and uh, I'm just excited to get the last remaining toxicity out. I, yep. I, I do feel like we've cut out kind of the, the final cancer and uh, we are on the, the road to recovery and yep. uh, we're, we're in remission right now and you know things are looking good. Our chances look very good from here on out. Yep. Uh, so that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, and it's what I'm optimistic about. Like, and this is exactly what kind of Chris Berniski was saying. It's like, yeah, we're down bad, but like, it's up only from here. Like, yes. Can't go, can't yes. Get any worse. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so you can only be optimistic. <laughs> All right. Meme of the week. What are we looking at? Oh my God. The big short number two. Sam Bankman <laughs> Free, Do Kwan, CZ, and Michael Saylor. Oh my God. I hope Michael Saylor actually doesn't get liquidated. That'd be bad for all of us. <laughs> oh no. Anyways, look, coming soon to a theater near you. I hope not, but it's a good meme. <laughs> Guys, you got to stick around for the moment of Zen. It's another song by the Song of Damon. I think he captures the SBF fiasco pretty perfectly. So you're going to enjoy this. Of course, as always, risks and disclaimers. Crypto is risky. So is DeFi. So is ETH. All of this stuff is. You could lose what you put in, but we are headed west. This is the frontier. It's not for everyone, but we're glad you're with us on the bankless journey. Thanks a lot. Okay. Sam was having meetings with Gary. Uh, Gary used to work for Glenn. Glenn is the papa of Caroline. And she was and Sam. It's regulatory capture of the highest Bespoke non reported transactions happening on FTX. No one knew how much risk was in that system um, until it all fell apart. Um, until it all fell apart. Um, until it all fell apart. We've never had um, customer losses um, until it all fell apart. Sam was having these with Gary. Gary used to work for Glenn. Glenn is the papa of Caroline. She was tripping Sam. Bye.
customer losses. Um, um, tell it all fell apart. Um, tell it all fell apart. Um, tell it all fell apart. We've never had, um, customer losses. Um, um, tell it all fell apart.